All right, welcome into On Her Turf, everybody. I'm MJ Acosta Ruiz, and this is, of course, our podcast. All of us, both Lindsay Zarniak and I, and all of you listening in here. And we talk to women from all across the sports world and see what gets them really motivated, the best versions of themselves, both on and off the field. And Lynn's already in 2022, what we're barely a couple weeks in, and I feel like what a year this has been. Yeah, that's very true. Um, what a year it's been. And also, you know, first of all, over the the broad sports landscape. But if you look at MJ, can you believe that the Olympics are, they're so close. Literally, they begin literally February 3rd. Cannot. Yeah, which I'm so excited. And it's really fun. I'm, I know that you've been paying attention, but being able to watch and to see different, you know, qualifiers, all of that. But there's one story that I've been paying attention to. Have you heard about Claudia Pestein from Germany? Mm-hmm. So she is about to become the oldest woman to compete at a Winter Olympics at the age of 49. I yes. love that. She would also be the second athlete, the only woman to compete in eight Winter Olympics. And also, because that's not cool enough, she's about to turn 50 two days after the closing ceremony. So if she does bring home that hardware, it's going to be her 10th Olympic medal, which is a pretty awesome birthday gift, I would say. To I was going to say, yourself, right? 50 and fabulous with an Olympic medal. Let's go. That's but can we pr- like put in perspective the way that in in sports, you know, in men's sports, like take football or whatever, mm-hmm. people make such a big deal about mm-hmm. athletes in their late 40s. I mean, honestly, you don't see it beyond like 46, you know, right. except for in Brady's exactly. case. So it's pretty, pretty phenomenal. Awesome. That is fantastic. And you know what? It, it's motivating. Honestly, I'm like, all right. Yeah. Let me not complain anymore about anything hurting. This woman's an Olympian. All right. Granted, she's probably built different. If you were going to choose one <laughs> Olympic sport for Winter Olympics to go for right now, using yeah. Claudia's motivation, what would it be? Mm-hmm. Just something I mean, that you haven't even picked up. It's figure skating and it's not even close by anything else. Oh I mean, God. from the time I was a child, no question. I feel like I would have an advantage because I'm a dancer, but we know that that's not true. <laughs> There's no way. <laughs> skating in and of itself is incredibly difficult. Like I've been to skating rinks all my life and it's not... It's not pretty. It's not cute. But I, in my I mind, I am it is. willing to bet. I'm willing to bet that you do have an advantage because of your dancing prowess. But okay, here's. I'm so glad you brought that up because I just started watching the docu series Meddling. Have you heard about this? Mm-hmm, it's I about. Have, yeah. It's on Peacock. It's about the 2002 um, figure skating scandal, and it, it literally that it hooked me four minutes in because of what you said. It's like it brought me back to sitting on the couch getting ready for appointment viewing, which was the figure skating competition and just wanting so badly to be those those women that were out there on the ice. Anyway, it's a fascinating watch. So if you have a chance, yeah. you should definitely, because it's the behind the scenes of it, which I love. Right. I'd love to get a picture into Claudia Pestein's sort of backstory and, and what she's done and, and just a documentary on her because, of course, she's one of a lot of women who will be killing it in Beijing, much like our guest this week on the podcast, who is doing everything in her power to push women's snowboarding to the next level. MJ, I'm pumped to hear about your conversation with snowboarding star Maddie Mastro. What was that like? I mean, we talked about everything from climate change to mental health and house decor. So here is that conversation (laughs) with Maddie Mastro. (laughs) 
All right, so today I'm here with Olympic snowboarder, who, by the way, is coming off a silver medal at World Championships in the 2021 year and is going to be heading to her second Olympic Games in Beijing, revolutionizing women's snowboarding. Maddie Mastro, welcome to the On Her Turf podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here and chat. This is going to be awesome. We're so excited for you. Uh, and before we dive into all things snowboarding, because I am mystified that this is what you do on your everyday life, uh, mm-hmm. literally defying gravity, we wanted to break the ice a little bit with a few questions to get to know, to know you better, if that's cool. Let's do it. All right, sweet. So the first one is, what is your first memory of watching women's sports? Oof. Oh, my gosh. Wow. I mean, probably the gymnastics honestly at the Mm -hmm. olympics would be the first like very clear memory i have of watching women in sports is that where like you fell in love with flipping and all of this craziness (laughs) it probably definitely helped with the fascination that i got i mean my mom did put me in gymnastics and tumbling when i was younger and it definitely like sparked something within me of like i like flipping and i like doing this challenging stuff and then it just kind of went from there a little more creative and snowboarding but yeah definitely sparked from that probably so you said around six years old yeah i think so i mean it was very i was young maybe i think six sounds about right yeah that's an early memory that's a core memory i don't know if anybody's watched that core memory right like it's it's in there okay um if you could make one rule that absolutely everybody had to follow what would that be you must have a dog (gasps) <gasps> yes yes this is a the world best requirement ever. of you must have a dog oh my gosh can we implement that right now i think everyone would be happier for it i agree we don't deserve dogs i think no we don't i assume you have a dog now i do <gasps> is it is, no! yes that's our first <laughs> dog appearance what's his or her name her name's Pippi we I just got her maybe that's why I was in California because I was getting this little nugget I was adopting her yeah she was just snoozing on the couch little nap I am (laughs) obsessed obsessed with this that's it getting one this weekend oh (laughs) I love this for us Uh, I love this rule we have to put it into work right now. <laughs> okay. What's your guilty pleasure during training? Like the thing that you turn to when you are having an off day and you really need to pick me up. There's a long list. Uh, boba tea is easy. Vegan brownies from Whole Foods has been a go-to these days. Um, but boba tea kind of takes the cake. It's always like that one thing that makes me feel good after a bad day or whatever it is. I love that they were food related. It's like a girl after my own heart, quite frankly. <laughs> I mean, it just makes you feel better. Right. I'm I'm all for eating my feelings. Yes. Burn some calories and then <laughs> exactly. go drink them away. Perfect. Okay. Do you remember the first time you won prize money for an athletic achievement? And what did you spend it on? The first time that I won like... Of like enough where I was allowed like financially responsible yeah. for my own <laughs> um I do I believe it was a second or a third place at Burton US Open um oh my gosh I think it was the second place and I bought a faux leather couch and it was like my Whoa. first big spend it was like a, and it was like it was probably the last time I bought a couch but yeah it was like a huge deal. I was like, okay, I'm going to treat myself. 
wait a second, how old were you when this happened? Because that's a very adult purchase. Um, I was probably like 17. I love kind this. Of a weird first purchase for something, but I really wanted the faux couch for some reason. But listen, there's nothing more important in your household than a, you need a good couch, right? Without a couch, exactly. that's it. Exactly. A faux, listen... Look, we got we got to talk after this offline, man. I want the link to the couch, where it was from, if you still have it, how comfy is it? Is still is have like, it. is there a Maddie imprint on it at this point? It's more of I would say for the aesthetic than it is for the sitting. I don't think I've ever sat on it. It went into my parents, like my bedroom at my parents' house because I was living at my parents' house still, and it went into my bedroom there. And I mean. I don't think I ever really sat on it. I kind of moved out next year and it's just kind of stayed there. It hasn't come with me, but it's still at my parents' house. Um, Can I just say that that is a flex and I love it. Like my first big purchase was this faux leather couch and I've never even touched it. What's up? I'm okay. It wasn't like, okay. I don't, I don't want to make it seem like a flex. It's just a couch. But it's a girl. No, own it. Own it because couches are not cheap, and it's such a great. I love a good piece of furniture. That is like one of the most like adult things too. As I got older, it's like couches are expensive. Like yes, I did not realize that at all. And couches are very expensive. It's like absurdly expensive. Like if you see my Pinterest board, right for like home decor, and then I click on the link, and I'm like, nope, shan't be buying that one. What's on Amazon? Yeah, most of the time I spend like half an hour trying to find dupes for it because it's so expensive. <laughs> I love this. That's a whole other episode. See, that's what I'm talking <laughs> about. All right. Last one for you. How old were you when you first took a plane uh, somewhere to play your sport? Oof. Young. I want to say like a 10. 10 yeah, that's young. was when I, when I first got on a plane and I haven't really stopped since then for it, but 10. Right. Do you remember where you were going and what competition? Probably to call probably Colorado. Mm. Um, it was probably for like, na- um, USASA nationals. It was cool at the time. Cause we had nationals every year, like your regional nationals. And it was in a different place in the United States every year, which was super cool. Cause like you'd meet friends and then you would have to fly to their like home mountain, maybe at, for like nationals and have it. And it was at like Tahoe, Colorado and that was like it was super cool it was like a good little introduction to what like being a pro snowboarder would be like as a 10 year old a prepubescent introduction to the life and it was for (laughs) nationals that is epic all right Maddie how much do your personal goals overlap here with your goals for the future of the sport of women snowboarding right because I don't think a lot of people know the intricacies and nuance of the sport where do you see it going for me my goals are double corks, which are something that we haven't really explored for women yet in half pipe. Um, but the men do it. And I think that is kind of helping with the whole progression. And that's what I see for my personal goals on that side. And then it will directly, hopefully correlate to women's progression and pushing our sport more and more into that and having double corks involved. But for me, that's always been a really big thing is trick orientated is I want to do the big tricks and I want to do doubles in particular, which is, that's kind of a weird thing. If you don't know what like double corks are, it's like just two flips in one air out of half. I, that might, that might help make it 
a little more sense. Thank you. That was my follow-up question. Can you explain what the double cork is uh, and how on earth do you train for a trick like that? I mean, everyone can go about training for it and, and has gone about training for it in different ways. Um, there's like the pretty traditional classic, the old way of not necessarily old, but the original way is just going and trying it straight on snow. Um, and that's something that I think is a great option, but we also have tools like airbags or trampolines. I don't, I haven't used trampolines. I have used airbags. Um, and they, it's basically you jump off the half pipe wall and land in a giant pillow of air. So then you don't actually land back on the snow and you can go that route and do it into the airbag first to feel a little safer, or you can just go straight onto snow. And I've found that a little bit of both is my kind of like perfect way where I build my confidence on snow, maybe try it one or two times into the airbag and then put it together on snow and don't spend too much time in the bag or just go and get myself hurt by not doing it properly on snow, a little bit of both to have a nice balance in learning it. I love that. I mean, immediately, no, for me on both of those, that sounds terrifying, <laughs> but this is why you're built different. This is why you're an Olympian. But I want to go back to what you were saying about um, why it's such a big goal for you. You know, the the men get to perform this trick or the men do it, women not so much. Do you feel like that is sort of the thickest line of demarcation when you're separating in terms of gender equity within the sport of snowboarding? Yeah, I mean, constantly you're dealing, like I've dealt with people looking and just comparing me to men and every woman to man, men in snowboarding. And I, it was just, it's frustrating for me to constantly being compared of like, you're not as good as the men. And I want to change that. I want to make it so we're all, I want to change that narrative. Well, yes, we're not as good, but we're trying, we're working on it. We're progressing and we are going to be as good. And I just want to change that narrative completely. So then we don't have that. You can't even bring that up of that men do harder tricks or whatever it is. It's we do the same stuff. Um, And I just got really frustrated with that narrative. um, And I just want to change that. No, it's interesting that you said, okay, we're not as good, but can you even measure that when the playing field isn't level? I mean, it's, it's frustrating. Also, like, when people, when I do hear people say like, we're in, like you guys aren't as good as the the men or all these negative comments towards us, but it's, well, I haven't seen a woman before me do these tricks. Um, exactly. I haven't seen it happen before. So we're, we're paving our path. Like we're trying to catch up. We're doing what we can and we are getting there. So please give us credit. Um, and I, yeah, so that's frustrating when, like that's not seen like we've I've never had that type of representation from a woman in the pipe before I've always looked towards the boys which has been a huge motivator and I don't think I'd be um where I am without a lot of the boys that I've watched but at the same time I haven't seen girls before me come and do that so I think it needs to just people need to look at it in a bigger picture and also at the same time like you drop in a half pipe and let's go. Like, let's okay. see how we compare. Like, let's, let's do it. If people are going to, you're going to be able to say all these negative things or criticize me, then make sure you look at it and like really, truly see like 
we're dropping into icy half pipes that are 22 feet tall and going as big, like the goal is to go as big as you possibly can and do tricks at the same time. Like it's not as simple as it seems. No, I mean, I can't imagine every, anyone who would look at it and think it's simple. Maddie said, pull up then. If you have all this trash talk to say, pull up then. Let's see. <laughs> and if we're making it um, look simple, then that's a compliment. And that, then we're doing our part. job. We're making it look good. Exactly. Uh, but, you know, when you mention other women paving the way, you actually are one of those women because you're the first woman to land a double cl- crippler, which is two backflips in the pipe. Okay. First of all, I don't even want to know the origin of the name of this trip. I'm scared. But can you describe <laughs> what it took to accomplish that? Um, it was a process for me that I didn't rush. Uh, and I, I built my confidence and I built that foundation of skill and confidence up until I was completely ready. Um, and it was definitely a scary process. Uh, yeah. It was, I, I had seen boys before me navigate that process and navigate learning their doubles. Um, but it was the first time I had ever navigated learning something like that. And that's scary before. Um, so I took my time and I didn't rush it. And I'm really happy I went about it that way. What kind of toll does that take on you though? Uh, not just accomplishing it, right? Which I'm sure is like the highest of the high, but just going through it and probably failing as you tried, not just physically with your body, but mentally as you're, you're trying to get it. Yeah. I mean, it's because I took my time on it. It was something that was constantly on the, in the back of my head. Um, so it was something that was just taking up a little bit of mental energy, even when I didn't realize it, or a lot of my mental energy, where I was just constantly thinking about this trick that I wanted to do. Um, so I didn't have, maybe I wasn't completely focused on my other tricks or what I was doing, uh, or my other goals. And it was just something that was constantly in the back of my head and having like a kind of like a monkey on my back to get a, to get it off and do it and to actually like People, had, people knew I was working on it. People knew I was thinking about it. So I also had that little exterior of like, wow, people know I'm going to do it. Like, whew, like I, I better do it. Like, I can't, like, I better do it. People know, like, I, this is something I want to do, but people are watching now. Like, they know I'm going to do it. So it was always something that was just like in the very back of my head um, and getting that monkey off my back of doing it and then continuing doing it is something that I think helped so much with mentally um, for me of like just making it an everyday thing. So it wasn't this big like thing in my brain all the time. That's a lot to navigate through, right? Like the pressure you're already putting on yourself to, to land this major trick that nobody's done before, but then also having the exterior noise, which I imagine a lot of times can be almost deafening, right? The outside part of it. Totally. And that's something as I've gotten older, I've learned how to navigate um, mainly just because of experience and how I've learned when I let those outside noises and opinions or whatever it is, pressures get to me, how it affects me and my snowboarding. Um, And I literally, it shows in the simplest of ways of like, when I go out and I snowboard and I not thinking about what other people think about me or what they're going to say if I fail or whatever it is. I save so much mental energy to put into my snowboarding and to put into my training and to put into myself. Like 
there were days where I'd put so much mental energy into what other people were thinking or whatever it is that I'd come home and I'd legitimately have to take like a three to four hour nap just to recover mentally from it. Because not only are you like going through it mentally, you're also physically exerting yourself. So it was so exhausting. And then as I got older, older and learned to like ignore those things and how to cope with them and manage them. I've like, I come home, I'm like, Oh my gosh, I have energy. Like I I can do other (laughs) things today. Like this is great. I don't have to take a nap to recover from that day I just had. Maddie, that is like the real, like I felt that so deep in my soul and I'm not a snowboarder. I don't do anything that's just physically taxing, but what you do on a regular basis, just in training, right? Really is very dangerous, right? Or it can be for those who don't know what they're doing. So balancing that mental aspect of it. I mean, what you paint, the picture you painted, right? Coming home completely drained, having to take a nap to like, oh, I'm done with my training now. I can go on about my life and the rest of my day. Like, I don't think people realize that layer of it and how important the mental aspect of it is, which gets me to competition, right? So as you're getting into competition and you're about to, you're about to do it, you're about to get into to your trick. How do you tell your body what to do? Is it even conscious at that point? Um, that's a great question. Yes. It's, I'm, it's different for everyone. For me, um, I've, we've trained so much and I've visualized it so much. A lot of the times you can be present and you're not necessarily an autopilot because you're, you're turned on and you are awake and paying attention, but you already know what to do. You already know how each and everything is going to feel, you know, like I can visualize my run top to bottom and tell you where I'm going to smile, where I'm going to take a breath, where I'm going to bend my knees or engage my core, what each and every bump is going to feel like. So I've already done it enough in my head that it just comes almost like naturally because you've done it so many times in your head that your body has already, you've already lived it. So that's just kind of how I've, work through that is I visualize it a lot. Hmm, can we name this flipography or pipeography? Cause like in dance, right? We have like hairography. Like I know where I'm going to flip my hair and I'm trying to, yeah. I'm trying to compare it to as close to, cause I don't have the type of physical abilities you have, but I love that you said that it, it is a routine sort of in your head. How important is that to the success of competition? Um, huge. I mean, being able to see everything for me, it starts like in the very beginning in the morning of a routine of, I know how these things are going to work out, um, is huge, but also being able to roll with those punches when things change. I've also found in the past few years with the pandemic is also Mm. something really big that you need to learn as just like a human being. And I think as athletes, we love routines um, and we love when things are in our control and we love routines. And so I've learned to, yes, I can have my routine, but I can't be picky with it. Um, I have to roll with the punches and it might just be that I get to watch one episode of The Office instead of two or whatever it is and rolling <laughs> with the punches Rather than like being super picky, because then it can completely be like almost self-destructive and work against you than with you. 
I mean, if that's not a mantra to put on your bathroom mirror, I don't know what is. Have your routine, but don't be picky with it. Also, favorite office character, go. Um, Pam Beasley. Oh! No, Dwight. I, Pam, I, I knew you were going to say Dwight. Have, <laughs> we have a dog named Beasley, but I love Dwight. It's hard not to love him. It is it is very difficult not to love him in his weird way, but it's I mean that's the show, right? He is the show in my opinion. Yeah. Um no, but but you spread a lot of a, a lot of knowledge in that sense, right? Like this is I'm writing down notes just so you know I always have notes during my interviews because who better to learn from than literal Olympians? All right, I want to ask you about something else here because your sport revolves around the climate around the snow, literally, it's in the title, right? Snowboarding. So is climate change a big topic, a big topic rather that snow sport athletes have taken on? Like, do you feel you've witnessed the impact of climate change during your career? Absolutely. Um, it's, it's something that we, I feel like sometimes I experience it a lot more than some people from my hometown or whatever it is, because I go wow. to, Mount Hood, Oregon, since I was six years old, and I've seen the changes to the glacier where it's withering away, or we went there this last summer, and it was, they lost like 12 feet of snow or something in two days because it was 100 degrees on the glacier. That's absurd. That's crazy. Like, that is so crazy. It's a glacier. It's That's not supposed to happen. It's absolutely disappearing. And it's something that is directly affecting my sport, something that I love so, so, so much, something that I've put my whole life around. So we see it everywhere. When we're everywhere we're going, we see the changes of the glaciers, the lack of snow, whatever it is, we see it. And yeah, it's something that everyone should be talking about. Uh, I there's actually this young little girl B Kim she's from Mammoth and she said a quote um that I really liked is you don't have to be um a kid you don't have to be a scientist um you just have to be a kid an adult or anything to realize that climate change is a thing you don't have to be anything special to realize that climate change is affecting us and I think that's true like you can be anybody and you can see that climate change is a huge thing that is impactful. I mean, no question about it. If you have two eyes, you can probably see the effects um, of climate change all around you. What have the conversations been like around the the snow sport athletes? I mean, for us, it's we're constantly talking about how there's less and less snow. There's less half pipes. There's less of everything and how for me, it's like for my boyfriend and I, how we can start with small, simple things or all the way to who are we voting for? Are we paying attention to what, what's being passed? Like, where can we make big changes? And that's where, where are you voting? Pay attention to that stuff. That's so important. Like we, I don't eat meat or my boyfriend eats less meat. There's small ways you can also help, but also, be aware of bigger ways that are more impactful. And I think making sure that you are getting out there and voting is a huge way to help. 
You better spread that message, Maddie. Yes, exactly. But yes, small incremental things lead to big, big change. Even for people who feel like it's really daunting, I think just educating yourself is such a huge part of it. All right, let's look ahead to the Winter Olympics in Beijing. What are you most looking forward to? Wow. Um, I think I'm most looking forward to like our team processing that we go through. We, we go to a like little, I don't know, like a hotel and we, after we've been test COVID tested and everything, and you get completely kitted out from like all the outfits you can imagine and more. And I am, it's, it was my favorite part of the last Olympics, dare I say. And I'm so excited for this time because you get so many goodies, like sweatpants, new workout clothes, the craziest like Olympic outfits. And I'm so, so excited for that part. Maddie, I don't know if we're the same human, but I live for a swag bag. I don't think I've bought a sweatshirt of any kind in I don't know how many years because I just keep getting them from events. And I'm okay to admit that. Like, listen, the free gear. It's almost the best part. Yes, it's undefeated to me, the free gear. If nothing else, you walk away with a whole new wardrobe <laughs> at the end of it. Yeah, and mm, I get a whole new wardrobe and so does my mom. That's how it's. That's how it goes. It's like, it's, it's so nice. It's so much fun too. You get to do it with all your teammates. It's, yeah, it's so sick. <laughs> what part of the competition aspect are you most looking forward to? Although I think that answer <laughs> with the wardrobe was perfect. Um... I'm I'm excited to go there and just last time I went and I had a lot of pressure on myself and a lot of a lot of like the exterior pressure of the Olympics um, kind of get to me. So this time I'm excited to go and snowboard for myself and just have fun and look at the Olympics like just any other contest. Um and just go have fun and do tricks and land runs rather than letting those big, scary, daunting expectations or pressures get to me. Before we let you go, we'd love to do a segment called Power of the Pack. So is there a teammate, a coach, someone you've worked with, a family member, literally anyone who has been putting in the work to take your career to the next level or who has just made an impact on your life. This is your time to give them their flowers, give them a little shout out and the attention they deserve. Well, okay. We might we have to do a few, but we're going to start with James Jackson, my coach. Um, he is, I, I don't, yeah, I don't want to flatter him too much, but he has <laughs> been such an important person in my career. Um, he, literally I would not be where I am without him uh he somehow managed to if you get the mom stamp of approval the mama Mastro stamp of approval and trust for like like okay you're taking care of my daughter and you have her best interest at mine and you get that stamp from my mom where she doesn't even second guess your training methods or whatever it is then you're you're good and he has gotten that stamp of approval um, and yeah, I would not be where I am without him. And James Jackson has played a massive role in my career. And then, um, my mom, the stamp of approval or she, yeah, we <laughs> love my mom. She's done so much for me. I think, uh, like most moms have, they've just been amazing. She's always, uh, 
hopped in the car, answered FaceTimes at two in the morning while I'm on the other side of the world, upset or happy about something going on. She's just been a huge part and always been my biggest supporter. Mama Mastro. Listen, I love a mom who has a checklist before we can give out. We're just not handing out trust. And this is why it's so appropriate that the badass couch is in mama's house. Exactly. She keeps the couch. It was the only, it was the only way. Maddie, thank you for joining us here on the podcast. We cannot wait to see you crush it in Beijing. Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. Oh my goodness. I feel like there's so much to learn from, from Maddie Mastro. MJ, um, first of all, what a, what a circle she has, right? What a, what a group of strong women in her corner. What was your takeaway from hearing her talk about who it is that inspires her? Yeah. I mean, I think you can just tell that everyone that's been around her has been just a genuine and authentic, not just influence, but true support system for her, right? I mean, you don't get to the Olympics without that. Um, and she certainly has that and she knows it. And I think being able to lean on them when she needs to and, and garner strength from that as well has has been such a part of her journey. It was really cool to see her talk about that. That's a great point. That's because that's probably not so easy to do. It's like, you know, that because right. I'm looking at the shirt you have, you're wearing a golden girl <laughs> shirt right now. And I'm like, and as you were saying that, I was like, well, yeah, it's like you have your support system, but there's, it's one thing to have people, coaches, mentors, parents that you look up to. It's another to say, okay, this is my support system. And to your point, I'm going to use that. I think in, in itself, that's that's a great thing. It's an edge, you know? Yeah. And she definitely has a maturity about her. Like she's such a young athlete, but you can tell that she has her head on, right? And she's definitely focused on always being at the top of her level and being able to compete, not just where she is, but looking beyond that to really push the sport forward for, for other women in the, in the space as well. Can we just talk about the couch for a second? <laughs> yes, we can. By the way, what? we definitely... I'm going to slide into her DMs because I want the link to that couch. If nothing else, to see what other couches they have because I'm still on a search for one. It's really hard to find a great couch for your house. The couch is one thing. If you could just outsource it right out of the gate, that's oh. what I would love. Because also, it's one of those... For example, we decided to get a couch for our living room. And now this is taking a total sidebar. But... It arrived and we sat on it and literally it was like sitting on cardboard. And no, I'm like, this is completely no. not what it was billed as. So we, we decided, we're like, not. you know what, we're going to get this thing stuffed with a little bit of fluff and you can do that. But then it's like just a whole, it defeats the whole purpose. Oh, that's devastating. Actually, you spend right? so much time, especially like for a living room. Like if you have a little one, let's say in an office or like in a garage, that's one thing. But like your main living room couch, aside from like, the grandma living room where you're not allowed to touch anything. It's very important. It's very important, Lynn. <laughs> it is. Wait, so we've talked to a lot of athletes now that are heading towards these Winter Olympics. When you hear Maddie talk, what like what what do you make of her, I guess, opportunity in front of her and her chances? I think she's going to be one of those and already is actually one of those athletes in snow sports and in snowboarding specifically where you can tell that she has the vision to really take this and push it to just another space where we even just as spectator as fans mm -hmm. can't truly see where the sport is going. But she's so in tune with the impacts of climate change on the sport, with what the gender inequity is, with what other women are doing and how they want to push the sport forward. It's it's really it's really just incredible to see someone at her age already have such a firm grasp on all of the factors that go into being an Olympian and to being a pro athlete and in making things better for everybody else that's still to come. 
I mean, had you even thought about the climate change aspect? Because I, no. that was so eye-opening to me. She has no choice but to think about it, right? Like it yeah. literally impacts what she does. Yeah. It's wild. But I mean, like I, I just didn't realize, and that's so naive that that was, that just is something that I had not heard a lot about. So I thought it was really right. cool that she brought that to the conversation. Uh, in addition to Maddie, her teammate, Chloe Kim, also a huge threat heading into Beijing. It's incredible. Chloe has won all six events she's entered. That includes the locks open this past weekend. So, I mean, no matter which way you slice it, the U.S. women's snowboarding team is going to be so much fun to watch this year. Yeah, I love these two for the podium specifically. I think definitely like circle the two of them and just keep a firm eye in Beijing (laughs) and beyond that for sure. Don't forget to rate and review on Her Turf on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. And be sure to follow on Her Turf on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Plus, you can get the latest news in women's sports on our blog, NBCSports.com slash On Her Turf. A special thanks to everyone involved in this NBC Sports and Blue Wire partnership. We'll see you guys next time.